Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and ultimately enjoy more money. A lot of people say money can't buy you happiness. I say that's just not true. Uh, it doesn't mean money always will buy you happiness, but money certainly can buy you happiness and, and does in you know millions of cases. And I've actually written a book about it called Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness, which is soon to be published. More of that later on, no doubt. Now, Hardly a day goes by when you you don't see on the news that a young man has been tragically stabbed in London. It's obviously an awful situation. And I hear a lot of community leaders talking about this. And basically the the mood is one of despair. There's a lack of opportunity, lack of aspiration, lack of government support, if you like, that, you know, why are we letting these kids uh, fall away like this? And almost blaming society for these kids getting into the wrong crowd and joining gangs. I don't want to get political here, but, you know, this is, I've got no opportunity, austerity, and I ain't got no opportunity, and all this sort of stuff. And I say to myself, well, look, I grew up in a council estate, which was a rough part of London in those days. Now, Camden, uh, Camden now, you might think was a rough part of London, but in those days it was. You know, you walk down the street, you walk down the wrong street, you, you're getting beaten up by somebody just for being in their street. Uh, but now it's become gentrified and... You know, there are still some parts, but, it, it, you know, it was rough in those days. Now, admittedly, we didn't have these spates of stabbings. We didn't have drug dealings. But I had to make my way out of the so-called, oh, it wasn't a ghetto, but, you know, it was it was a tough life. And we had very little in the way of aspiration. I mean, I, I remember going with a, a, a friend of mine to go car washing in Maida Vale because there was no point in knocking on the doors around where we were. So we... we got on a couple of buses, went up to Maida Vale in St. John's Wood. And I thought, wow, it's like a different world. You know, I was knocking on the door of actors I'd see on TV and it, it really was a different world. And the amount of money they would give you was was like, whoa, you know, you just couldn't believe how much they would just pull out of their pocket and give you and think it was nothing. Uh, so I had to, to get my way out of that. And I, I partly had inspiration from my, my parents to say, look, you can do whatever you want to do. But generally, the aspiration at, at our school was not to say be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, or, or go on to university. It was to you know kids would say, well, I'll, I'll go and join the post office. You know, uh, if I can get a good job at the post office, that that will do me through life. You know, start off as a, a telegram boy. <laughs> I'm going back a few years now, and you know, getting a secure job was everything you you thought. Of. Just get get into a secure job, and uh, you know, getting to university seemed like a million miles away. In fact, my dad used to say, you know. Son, if, if you have a Cockney accent, you can't get into university with a Cockney accent. He said, they won't have you. They just won't have you with a Cockney accent because everyone in university was posh. We'd see people on University Challenge. They were posh. <laughs> they didn't have Cockney accents. And he said, you won't get into university with a Cockney accent, not even if you had another hole in your ass. But anyway, that's another story. It's not, not actually true, but you can see the mentality we had uh, and the general level of aspiration we had in, in those days. Now, the fact is, though, as at that time and as now, 
there is opportunity everywhere. Opportunity is everywhere, especially in a Western wealthy country like the UK. We're still one of the top 10 wealthiest countries in the in the world. I'm not sure we're seventh now or whatever, but we're still a country that punches above its weight. And, you know, millions of people flock here to get jobs because there's no opportunity in their country. And they perhaps grab those jobs and grab those opportunities that perhaps people here don't quite see themselves. I was talking to an owner of a nursing home group the other day and he said his biggest problem is still staff and you know when I was in the staffing business that was their biggest problem 10-20 years ago and it's the fact that the local people just don't want to do the job anyway I'm, I'm veering off the subject a little bit but opportunity is everywhere and education is so important education is free here now you might say well you have to pay fees when you go to university but you get a loan for that you don't pay that off until you start working and earning more than 23,000 a year and if you come from a poor family there are exemptions but certainly education up up to to high school is free and then you can go on to do other things like you can do apprenticeships there's, there's all sorts of things there's so many training courses other than just university and I ran training courses and I know that you know, you just cannot say there's no opportunity in, in this country because there's opportunity in the workplace, but you have to get educated. You have to offer the employer something that will benefit them, not just benefit you. Now, the reason I'm, I'm, I, I sort of thought about this today was that um, because, you know, I want to give you money tips that on the practical side, you know, how to make money, how to earn money, how to save money, how to get out of debt. But sometimes I want to give you inspirational stories as well. And I heard a story today about a young man who came from a poor background, came from a a single parent family. His dad died when he was young. And instead of just sitting around saying there's no opportunity, he went out to look for opportunity and surprisingly found it very, very quickly. A guy called Reggie Nelson, who was 18 at the time, came from a family, as I said, didn't have much money. He lived in a poor area of southeast London, where, like uh, in my area, expectations and aspirations were very low. But a few miles across... you know, from where in, you've got parts of London which are very poor, but you can go a few miles down the road and you can find it's, it is a different world. So he thought, well, what can I do? So what he did was he he Googled the richest parts of the country and found out that it wasn't very far from where he lived, which was Kensington and Chelsea. Now, we all know Kensington and Chelsea were the, the rich and famous and these, these wealthy Russians and foreign investors and where it costs £10 million for a house, etc. And... You know, rather than saying, well, I'm envious of those people, those people are just fat cats, um, he, he thought he would try and find out what made them successful. Now, he was inspired a little bit by a, a Joan Rivers show in America called uh, How Did You Get So Rich? Uh, I think it's called that, where she basically asks people how they became rich. And, and it's a good question. How did you become successful? It's a great question. You ask someone who is successful, how did you get that way? How did you get successful? Tell me your story. People love to tell you. And I'm sure if you asked, you know, wealthy people that you know, like Rob Moore, for instance, who is a very successful property investor and and and, and runs, uh, you know, multi-million pound training company. If you asked him or his partner, how did you get that way? I'm sure he would be pleased to tell you. And he, and he does tell you. He's written books about it. And I've read them. So rather than being envious, he, he thought, well, I'm going to just do what Joan Rivers did. And after Googling where, where he would go, he thought, well, I'm going to jump on a train from where I live, jump on the tube. And he got out at Gloucester Road in Kensington. And uh, he actually told uh, Jeremy Vine on the radio t- today I was listening and he immediately said, Look, I, I looked around, I thought, wow, this is a really is a different world. There was these long row of Georgian cream painted houses, you know, completely different from where he lived. 
and there was all these flash cars there and, and Rolls Royces and Ferraris and Aston Martins. And he decided to go up and approach people in the street and started asking them. And he, you know, naturally he would get a few rejections, but you know, not long after, pretty soon after he, he come across a guy who just got out of an Aston Martin and, uh, you know, Aston Martin, you know, it's a hundred thousand pound plus car. He said, excuse me. Um, I'm just trying to find out how people become successful. How did you get to the stage where you could own this car? How did you become this successful? And the man was surprisingly nice to him. He said, um, you know, the key for this is is education. You've got to get education to to be able to get ahead and move forward in the world. That's a tip I've given many times myself. Get education. Education is the key. And although young Reggie wasn't actually asking for money, the guy just pulled out of his pocket and got some notes out of his pocket and gave him 40 quid. There you go, son. Good luck to you. I've got to go now. Uh, but that was quite a nice little touch. And uh, he then went along a few rows of houses and started knocking on some doors, got a few rejections again. Some people, you know, closed the door on him. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are scared. Someone knocks on the door. Some people don't even come to the door. They've got intercoms. And, you know, you might even be talking to the owner of the house. You could be talking to, to one of their staff. But anyway, he just kept going. And I think the second or third door he, he called on, a lady opened the door called Elizabeth Price, who actually invited him in for a chat. He said, you know, come in and have a chat. I started asking him, you know, what is it you want to do? What's your interest? And Reggie said, well, I'm interested in business, but he didn't quite know what type of business. Then the husband came in, Quinton Price, who's a city analyst, uh, asset management analyst. And uh, he offered to mentor the young man, which, which was amazing. And to cut a long story short, he went from there to, to go and visit his company, went for an experience day, later did some work experience, uh, which is not easy to obtain, obviously. And a few years later, he completed his education. He got his degree at uh, Kingston University in economics. And now he's, he's got himself a plum job in the city as an analyst for my old employer, Legal and General. Some people might say, oh, he was lucky. But no, he, he worked at it. It wasn't just handed to him on a, on a silver platter. Uh, but, you know, through that inspiration, through that little bit of mentorship there, it, it enabled him to, to raise his expectations, I guess, and look look above his own horizons of his, of his immediate surroundings. Now, Legal & General are a fantastic company, by the way. They're one of the UK's biggest insurers. I'm not running an advert for them, but they're fund managers. They, they manage billions of pounds worth of funds, and they own commercial, prime commercial property all over the country. Now, I worked for them for many years, and uh, I found them always to be a good company, and I'm sure Reggie will do well there. And if it's on your CV that you work for Legal & General, it's 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 a nice thing. I'll give you a quick story. Um, we were in the sales division, and we went down to uh, the city once, and I worked in the city for, for a time in Fenchurch Street. We went into the fund manager's offices, and in those days, in the 80s, it was all red braces and you know, young guys and this sort of thing. It was it was the time of that film Wall Street, and uh, there was there was the senior fund manager there and these these glasses, and he was explaining how these are the dealing desks, and you know this is where we decide which shares to buy. And I think at that time they you know they managed ten twenty billion pounds worth of shares, and it was just after that late eighties stock market crash. I think it was nineteen eighty seven, and uh, I I said to him, well you know when the crash was happening. Uh, or maybe just before the crash was happening, while the crash was happening, why didn't you just sell the shares? Why why did you sit on them until they'd gone down? And he sort of stopped and looked at me down his rimmed glasses and said, don't be stupid. You can't just sell £10 billion worth of shares, young man. Oh, sort of put me in my place, didn't he? 
But uh, that was my legal and general story. Now, the great thing about the story of Reggie is that here you have a kid who was only 18 at the time, and he just had the initiative and, and quite frankly, the balls to get on that train and go over and start asking people, you know, what made them tick. Now, I'd love to interview Reggie on my podcast because he can really inspire young people. And here you've got a guy who's actually done it. So, Reggie, if you're out, if you listen to this, I've tried to send a message to you, but I'd, I would love to have you on the show. Now, obviously... Reggie still had to put in the work. Don't forget, it wasn't just handed to him. He still had to get his degree, still had to apply for jobs. But with that bit of help, and, and it illustrates the importance of networking and knowing people, you know, because, you know, we, we work with people. We, we do business with people. Everything we do is through people. It's not, not machines and computers. It's, it's through people. But he, he put the work in. At a, I think he's now 22, 23 so he's, he's done the work through university and really put himself out there, not just sends off applications. He's really put himself out there and he, he's got his just reward. He's not come through luck. It's come through work and just taking that, that initiative. And finally, the story illustrates to me and I hope to you that wealthy people are not as bad as they are portrayed in the media and on films and on stories as these fat cats, you know, evil people that are out to get you and do you in and, you know, want to steal from everybody. They are actually human beings. Then They're often very nice people. They're often nicer than you think. And, you know, I know a lot of very wealthy people and they do an awful lot of work in the community. They, they give a lot of money to charity. Many have giving accounts on. So if they give you a donation for, for a fundraiser you're doing, you know, they will give you a check and you look on the check and it says giving account. You know, so they, they put aside a bit of money to give and they believe in putting back. You know, I work with people as as counsellors who, who, you know, quite frankly, could be doing other things. Uh, but they, they give back to doing community work and voluntary work. I, I know people through Rotary that are extremely wealthy and yet they, they turn up at these meetings. They go out, they they rattle boxes to collect money. They they plant bulbs to help eradicate polio that you know and, and these people are perhaps you'd say they wouldn't have the time to do this but they make the time to do these things and a lot of people who've got more time to on their hands like for instance if you're unemployed will not bother to do these things and, and also well, i haven't got the time to do it you know I, I i haven't got time to go and do charity work i, I need charity myself but it, it's just a different mindset a different mentality so again i i go through this in my book about wealthy people and uh, successful people that they are often approachable and you know if you talk to them if you approach them you, you could be very surprised by the reaction you get and this this also comes for in conjunction with raising funds you know uh, a lot of people think to be in business or to become a property investor you have to have your own money but that that's not true with the right mindset you can say well I'll find the deals and I will JV or joint venture with with a partner who has money to invest and uh, we'll do the deal in that way. And that's how people like Rob Moore got started. Rob Moore was in debt when he started in the property business. I think it was £50,000 in debt, a struggling artist. And yet he linked up with somebody who became his partner. They raised uh, joint venture, joint venture investment capital and you know, the rest is history. Now they, they own or control, I think, six to 700 properties. And he did that without having his own money. So don't believe this thing, you have to have money to make money or your only money makes money or only the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, 
that there are ways around this. There, there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of money out there waiting, to, looking for investment. Because if you've got money in the bank, you know, and you're earning just over zero percent, like not even a quarter percent, you know, that money is effectively losing value against the rate of inflation. So it's losing its spending power because if inflation is at two or three percent and you're earning, you know, less than a quarter percent, clearly your money is losing buying power. So people are looking for ways to invest their money and get a good return on their money. They're not just going to give it to any fool who turns up with some wild venture. But there's more money out there looking for investment vehicles than there is people coming forward with good projects. And if you take this right up to the highest level where you've got huge venture capital firms who've got millions and billions to invest, you know, there's there's certainly trillions of pounds of investment out there for you know people who want to start businesses, whether they be high tech companies or just someone who wants to buy a property down the road and refurbish it and you know make ten or twenty thousand pounds by by selling it later down the road. So there are opportunities out there, and you you need to work with people. And well done to to Reggie Nelson for for getting on that train and uh, asking people what makes them successful. You know what makes people successful? Just go and ask them. Great, well done, Reggie, and thank you for listening. This has been Charles Kelly. Bring your money tips to help you save, earn, invest and enjoy more money. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 